This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome y'all. I just realized last episode on my on my re-listen, I did not even say the name of the show. So <laughs> welcome to episode two of Temple of Hoop with Kings and Maples. This is the big season preview pod after the preseason pod last last week. Uh this week we are doing the season preview, awards, predictions, all that. Hold our feet to the fire at the end of the season, what we got right, what we got wrong. We mm-hmm. want all the smoke. Kings, what's going on with you, boy? Man, doing uh, as best I could. I know people follow me. But <laughs> I blew, I blew my own ace, uh, Achilles tendon last night. So, shoot. I, I mean, no days off for us on podcast. We still going, we still going to record, but <laughs> I'm gonna be rehabbing too, yeah, just man, like anybody else. Good vibes out to big to the homie Kings, man. That is not a just rough. 2020 just been wild, man. <laughs> man, I, I couldn't even make it out with two Achilles, man. That shit crazy. Yeah. So, going into this NBA stuff, Segwin, um, two two big contracts, not big, but just two notable contracts happened today. Uh, one, uh, Rudy Gobert signed a four-year, five-year, $200 million, around $205 million deal with the Utah Jazz ending any you know, season-long speculation that was uh, controversial about what he was going to get. And then Kyle Kuzma, the the Lakers' biggest lightning rod player, three <laughs> years, $40 million. Um, I want to talk about the Gobert contract first because you brought up some interesting points when uh, you were talking about this small market and bigger in the – luxury tax with these bigger contracts with certain type of mm-hmm. players kind of impeding their progress on building a team. Um, you had actually interesting theory I want you to touch on as far as um, getting rid of the cap. Yeah. So talk about that idea. I thought that was really interesting how you went deep into it. So talk about what you think your solution is as far as moving the cap to kind of level out or improve the NBA from a, from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at some of the leagues like baseball, I know baseball has no cap, but, you know, I know structure differently impact difference on the team. Uh, soccer has no cap. They have, like, financial rules, but there's no real cap. Uh, you just basically, you know, teams can't spend more than they make a year. That's kind of the the uh, financial rule that they, that they have, but there's no actual salary cap that's capped for how much they need to spend. So for me, I just think, the, it's an illusion, right? So if we look at the NBA, um, the NBA has had no parity almost ever. So, you know, the salary cap isn't helping for that. Um, one of the leagues that have a hard cap, and I understand the logic of the hard cap because, you know, the the luxury tax is uh, very frightening for small markets <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, they're not they're less prone to go into the luxury tax than the big market teams are because they just make less money. So that's actually kind of a deterrent to small market teams having a luxury tax because they don't want to pay it. You know, that's <laughs> right. part of why Milwaukee didn't I mean Brogdon didn't want to be there, but it's also they weren't they weren't, you know, as upset letting him go <laughs> because their luxury <laughs> tax wasn't going to be that high. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a deterrent to them. And also, you know, having no cap, yes, you know, the teams with the most money or the teams with a big market have advantage because they're, they make the most money. They're probably most likely going to spend, but here, here's, here's the thing, you know, guys like, you know, uh, guys like, you know, Balmer or anybody 
who owns like a, a team and wants to just make a splash because like, you know what, you know, I had some income come in or whatever and they just had a bunch of money come in. It's like, no, let's just go for it. Like you can do it because there's no cap. You can pay whoever you want. You're not going to get penalized for paying whoever you want. At the end of the day, even if there's no cap, markets is always going to dictate the price anyway. It's like just because there's no cap doesn't mean you're going to give somebody who doesn't deserve $100 million, $100 million, if that's not what they're going for on the market. So, you know, there's still going to be market rules, but it also means that whoever wants to compete will compete. And that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of people and a lot of you know, small market teams are getting away with this idea that, oh, well, you know, we're strapped by these luxury tax rules and all that. If you get rid of the cap, they don't have it. They're, they really don't have an excuse. It's just, it becomes, did you draft well? Did you scout <laughs> and Or did you pay? Or did you want to pay? You have to, you have to be competent. Like, you have to be able to do your job. That's why in baseball you do see parity even with teams who don't have uh, the highest payroll because they draft well. Because, like, since you can't spend that much that much money like other teams, you have to compensate in another department. And that's what you see in club soccer, too. A lot of club soccer teams that don't, uh, you know, they don't spend that as much as the, the highest payroll teams, they have a great developmental farm system. Um, that's right. So it's like the NBA with the lottery and with the luxury tax, tax is basically – it's basically – since that they're able to share revenue from luxury taxes, basically like, you know, giving bad teams, like it's giving them more reason to be bad because they tank, they get a better, they get a higher chance of a better draft pick and they're going to make money anyway because of revenue sharing from all the teams who are trying to win to pay luxury tax. Like they have no incentives to be good. Like what they have no incentives to be good at, like, like at all. That's why you see teams willingly tank in the NBA. Whereas like, you know, in club soccer, if you have a bad season, they'll, they'll demote you to the lower league. They're, you know what I mean? So mm. You have to perform. Like, you have to perform. So it's like we're – like we're there's too much promotion of awful front office management and awful on-court product within the NBA because you get rewarded for that behavior. Right. Like, I, and I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, um I hate, like, I'm not a big Bill Simmons fan, obviously, but I heard his, his suggestion of you should not be allowed to get a top five pick two years in a row. Like, I, I'm like I'm with stuff like that to just deter the, the, the losing on purpose. Um, my solution, which is a little different from yours, yours was kind of out of the box. I thought it was kind of cool. I remember somebody gave you, was like, if you do that, it's only six teams worth watching. He was like, it's only six teams worth watching now, so what's the difference? <laughs> so I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, he actually has a good point. My solution was kind of like um, – Different. I was like, okay, you you have the money, so the players that hit those super max requirements, yeah. they can they can get that money if they stay with their original team, but mm-hmm. it still only counts against the cap as a regular max. That mm-hmm. way, they're still incentivized to stay with their team to get the super max money, right? But it's not killing the team because it doesn't that extra you know millions is not hitting against the cap more than normal max. Right. That's that's what my suggestion was to kind of keep it. No, I know I'm, we're both pro labor as far as players. So like, keep the players getting, you know, their their earned share, right? And still not handicapping the teams. Kind of kind of a middle ground. But your your idea was was interesting too. I thought that was a different way to look at it, which was which was just you know all about different ideas. I'm sure, and I'm sure I was talking. I was, I'm sure the owners will address this because I know that super max number. Every <laughs> team who was given out a super max, it has not worked out. Except it really has not. Ex- except if the if the Warriors can do it. With Steph this year, he might be the first to, to make the super max work if they can have a good season with Steph. But you know, those teams giving out those super max, it has not worked out at all years into the deal. And even the Warriors, like a lot of their fans, regret the fact that they have to pay Draymond Green, and they regret the fact that they have to take on Wiggins' contract. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like these, even those teams have to are upset that they're paying certain people that they didn't want to pay that amount because those people qualify for a max or close to it and had to get paid. Right. You know, so that's like that. The, the thing, the reason why I like no cap uh, and not the, uh, that don't let the uh, cap of the uh, max extension or the super max count against the um, salary cap um, and have it count like a regular cap. The reason why I prefer no cap is because 
I just don't like the idea of capping what players earn. Yeah, I, I, I remember just, you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I just think, you know, from a labor standpoint, if, if this guy is worth this much, they should be able to get paid that much from whoever wants to pay them that much. Like, if somebody's willing to pay, you know, LeBron James or whoever, fifty million or sixty million. Yeah, I mean that's they wanted to pay them that, like you know, right. I mean, they, from being able to earn that amount. So that's like that's the and that's like from a philosophical standpoint, being with the labor, I I side with pro, um, no cap, and also from a competitive standpoint of you know you shouldn't fault or try to limit teams that want to win. And I think that's kind of the thing I, I tell people, and I don't think people realize that a lot of teams don't want to win. That's the problem. They didn't make that like money. They, they they don't want to win. They just want to make a certain amount of money every year, and that's it. And then the owners brag that they own the team. You know what I mean? Like that's really like they're not. They don't care about being competitive. They don't care about drafting well. They don't really care about scouting well. It's like like we'll just keep tanking every year. Hopefully we'll get a superstar we can make money off of, and then we'll compete. Like that's because basically a lot of you know people's mentality so I just want to get that out of the, the sport I want like if like you know what I'm saying like everyone hates Bomber and the Clippers underhanded tactics but like for me it shows that they want to win like I want that to be legal like if Bomber wants to go ahead and drop 10 billion to compete and win NBA championships um then okay so be it like he wants to compete you know what I mean so it's like that's the name of the game trying to compete trying to win like it's, it's just no cap just makes sense to me. Let's every it makes it, it makes the teams that want to win win, and the less players get paid whatever they want to get paid. Like right. I just think, sports standpoint, that should be it. And I just feel like we should stop bailing out bad teams. Like mm-hmm. like we should just stop bailing out bad teams, and we should start making them actually try. <laughs> like, like I'm right. sick of teams trying to be in the lottery every year, like right. purposely. <laughs> and honestly, we're going to see some of that this year with the amount yeah. of wing, the wings coming out and the guards coming out. This is draft. And then you have Imani in a couple right, years. Like you're going to see teams purposely do that, right? So I just wanted to touch on that. I thought you had an interesting point about you know what you thought your solution was to bring in like a competitiveness back to the league. I thought the, the non-capped idea you had was 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 pretty interesting. Now moving on to to the Kyle Kuzma contract. Once again, he signed three years. $40 million extension with the Lakers. I thought it was a great deal for both sides personally. Um, a, gives the Lakers a, a key piece of their bench in depth at a, at a reasonable price because Kuz would have probably got at least $15 million on the open market in the offseason, in my opinion, just with his age and what he had already done that, that one year he had. Some team would have gave, gave him a – would have took a chance and paid him big money to see if he could duplicate his – when he almost averaged 20 a game. And then on top of that, it's also very tradable – if it comes to that, like that's not, you know, three years plus like thirteen, twelve, thirteen million dollars a year. It's it's easily tradable. And then on top of that, Kuz gets to hit free agency again at age twenty eight in his prime and get a big cash out if he's earned it at that point. So what were your thoughts on you know, the Kuz extension? Yeah, I when I saw the number I was like, damn, I was like, Great. <laughs> I was like, nice, cheap, tradable contract <laughs> because it's like like you said, I, I was definitely thinking a team was gonna give him a four year, sixty million dollar contract. Right, same here. You know, as soon as he left because it's like there's teams that have to use their cap and you know, Kuz's art type is valuable for certain teams. A lot of teams are looking for a stretch four that could guard the three and is athletic enough to, to uh to guard those uh wing type guys while also being tall enough and long enough to, uh, you know, to check forwards, you know what I mean? So a lot of teams were looking for that type of player. So, you know, he was going to get paid based off his archetype, his talent that he has displayed when he's had more touches and uh, his age, he was going to just, he was going to get that contract. But so for him taking this deal from LA, it's two things. It's one, he understands the value of potentially staying in LA, and if he pops and be, is able to uh, pop and stay in LA, he understands that value for his brand. And two, he understands that with this deal, since it's so much easier to get traded off of, and it's so friendly for Rob and the Lakers organization, he can basically almost go to any team that he would want to pick that would have something the Lakers would want because of how good his contract is. How affordable it is for his value, he'll be able to get to a team he wants as long as they have a piece that the Lakers want. 
So it's flexible for him. It's flexible for Lakers. I mean, he has a player option. I think Waj was talking about that's one of the rarities you see with these type of contracts is having a player option like that. So, it, I mean, it's just flexible for both both parties. So uh, kudos to Rob. I mean, he's done a good job working with both the best interests of his t- the team and the players. So yeah, it's not just yeah. a one-sided affair. It's, it's an affair that works for both both uh, both parties. So it was it's just good front office stuff. I mean, both sides are probably happy with how how it turned out and nothing bad you can say about it. Yeah, I was like, man, they, they didn't give Rob that executive of the year. He finished seventh. He he took that personal this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, I heard – I seen one person tweet like, man, Rob got too upset of getting snubbed, so now he's he's trying to shoot for prayers. He's trying to go for flashy pieces. I'm like, man, you guys cannot be serious. Please do not tell me you're missing JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, man. Come on. Yeah, I'm not really – I basically have to watch Mark and – we talked about that last episode, watching Mark and uh, – Mark in the preseason, his past how it fits in. Nobody, nobody's missing those two. <laughs> Not me. <But> now, <laughs> here we are. We are going. Season starts in two days. Tuesday the twenty second. Huge doubleheader. We got Warriors and Nets, followed by Lakers Clippers mm-hmm. going down. All right, we starting from the bottom all the way to the top. Give me your top three rookie of the year candidates. Go ahead. Top three rookie year candidates. Number one, I got Lamelo. Number two, I got my guy Ant Man. Okay. And number three, I got Wiseman. I think based off the criteria of team need, you know, I looked at it as this: does the team does the team need this person to perform? Right. I looked at that number one: does the team need this person to perform? Because that's going to dictate minutes, and you know, and then being in important opportunities. And I looked at two: the talent, obviously. Because, you know, Ant-Man's going to get limited minutes compared to a lot of people, but his talent's so good, I just think he'll produce anyway. And then, you know, I then, you know, I, then I looked at the fact that who's going to get, um, who's in the best fit. And LaMelo is, out of all those three guys I just listed, LaMelo is good for all three. So right. he's yeah, just going to come out and, and perform. Yeah, that's funny. We have two of the same top three. LaMelo's not number one. Because of one of your reasons, I wasn't sure about Ant- I wanted to put Ant Man number three behind uh was gonna be number three, but I was concerned, you know, with D Lo, uh yeah. Beasley and Cat, just the touches and the usage wasn't gonna be there, but he's my outside fourth. My number two is actually Okoro for the Cavs mm. because he fits a need that wing spot as a whole with them, like they're not high on Wendler or it's or uh Chetty anymore. Right. He's mm. gonna be able to get minutes, siphon minutes right away and right there and compete. Uh, Wiseman third, I just think off that um, that Draymond Steph, that short roll, he's going to eat a lot in that, and then just put backs, and then he's going to have a defensive effect too, getting blocks. So I got Lamelo, we're both in agreement there. Situation, he's going to get more minutes as the season goes on, obviously, and I love it that the coach there is going to make him defend. So yeah, I'm really happy he went there. He's not going to get into any bad habits in, in that Charlotte environment. So our one and three are the same. We both got Lamelo right. at one, Wiseman at three. You have Ant Man at two. I have Okoro at three. Also, I think Ant-Man is going to be a better prospect than Okoro. I just feel like the, the opportunities for Isaac are going to be there earlier. So that's why, right. that's why I came into that. Right. So we're, we're not, not too much different there. Uh, Coach of the year, um, for me, one, I went Monty Williams. I think Phoenix is going to be a you know a solid playoff team. I think the improvement from last year, they're going to get there. Two, for me, it was Steve Kerr. You know, I'm higher on the Warriors than most people are. So obviously Kerr would be a part of the – Improving along with Stephen three. Um, I think Spo is going to get his flowers this year, so I got him third, finally. The, uh, but it's funny because the East is such a mess. Those first six teams in the East, it literally can go anyway. Right. Six teams in the East. I was doing uh, predictions for the show. Right now, I was like, this top six is a mess. I right. Mean, literally. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Any bunch. So give me your coach of the year, uh, three coach of the year candidates. Yeah. So it's I'm actually going to surprise some people with my coach of the year. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. The coach of the year number one, I got Steve Nash. Okay, okay, <laughs> I okay. Steve, I got Steve Nash number one. I, I number two, I got Monty Williams. Obviously, I think he's gonna be the the flashy pick with how Phoenix pops. And then number three, I got Vogel. So okay, um, for me, for me, and you'll note you'll notice when we go off the top teams of each conference, it's it's gonna go how the you know NBA media really rewards it. I mean. Team record is always going to be the heaviest factor 
for this award. Um, I, I, I think, you know, Spoh's one of those coaches where we agree, you know, as from a tactical standpoint, he's the best coach in the league. But just with the regular season, you know, uh, factors and the regular season categories that goes into these these awards, like Coach of the Year, he won't be a high enough C for him to mm. get it. And, like, there won't, there isn't going to be enough improvement from last year to this year, like in a money situation where it's going to up his resume, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, okay, they were this last year, and then he coached them up, and now they're this good. Like, right, that's a know, big factor. Heat. That's a big factor. Yeah, that's a big factor, you know what I'm saying? So he doesn't really have any – uh, big factors unless he just gets like a top two seed, you know what I mean? I just don't see the Heat being a top two seed in the in the regular season. So, uh, All right. and I, yeah, and, so that's why I got what I got. And Vogel, I'm actually with you. Vogel did a Vogel got a, did an underrated job for me as far, as, especially with the Laker defense, the schemes he put in. Mm-hmm. I just think that the crutch he gets, the crutch that he gets pushed right. back from is having AD and LeBron. Right. So some media off the top, or I'm not voting. We got the two best players. He's not getting my vote, so I think that's what holds him back. But he's definitely worth consideration, though, so I'm not mad at that pick at all. Yeah, I'm hoping he, you know, I'm hoping he, because of his defensive schemes, um, I hope he, he gets to a point where he breaks through that mentality because, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, Pop, right, you know, right, 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 right. Rally, right. they had great players. So at some point you have to prove your worth. And I think from this playoff run with defensively how the Lakers have been and Vogel's a, the defensive guy, I think that's going to be – his his uh his his card that he's gonna be able to put to say I'm a coach of your candidate because we dominate defensively that's my calling card yeah, so I if think, that's my calling card and that's the calling card of the team you know right I th- and I th- and I think if the if the Lakers do something like extraordinary like win let's say go sixty and twelve right yeah. I think okay they'll give him his props like he kept that team locked in didn't let him sleep mm-hmm. on their laurels after a championship and it was a short turnaround like I think he'll get love for that so I can see that. All right, moving on, sixth man of the year. I went uh, I went Trez, number one, for me to win it. I just think the opportunity for the Lakers going to lean on their bench a lot. So I think mm-hmm. Trez is, is, is probably safe to win it. Two for me, kind of a surprise pick, uh, was Eric Pascal for the Warriors. Like, they don't have a lot of creation. They don't have a lot of creation in their second unit. He's going to get a lot of opportunities with Dre uh, facilitating with the second unit. I think I got him, and then my third was uh, just, you know, he doesn't fit, doesn't translate to the playoffs, but Lou Williams is going to get 17, yeah, yeah. 20 a night in the regular season. <laughs> so he was third for me. Those are my, my top three six-man-a-year picks, you know, for the reasons I've stated. So who you got in your top three and why? Funny enough, um, Eric Pascal isn't in my top three, but that's my fourth. So we had oh, – okay. So okay. we have – and then I have two of the three that you have. So uh, so we actually had – we were thinking along the same lines for the six-man. I had Eric Pascal fourth. Uh, my third, I'll, I'll go reverse. My third is Lou Will. Same thing. Like, you know, we know it doesn't translate to Pals, but that doesn't matter. He's still going to do what he needs to do in the regular season. Right. My second was Trez. Um, I had Trez as my first, like, last week, but I recently I recently had to – I recently switched some up based off some preseason stuff that I was looking at. But Trez is going to be two. He probably might – or not probably, he might go back-to-back on it. Um, because they're going to lean on the bench a lot, and Trez is very energetic. He's going to get a lot of touches. The Lakers have shown that they're comfortable with having him do post-ISOs. I mean, obviously, it's not always the best thing to do, but I mean, if it's a if it's a bench on a bench unit and Trez got some type of athletic mismatch, they, they, they'll show no problem to, to feed them. So I think Trez is going to get, you know, his 14 to 16 points uh, straight off of energy that I think that's uh, doable for him, at least minimum 12 points, you know. 12 right, to 15, right, right. 12 to 16, yep, he'll be in yep. that range. Um, but here's my number one. My number one is Carice Levert. Oh, uh, okay. Carice okay. Levert okay. from Brooklyn. Um, he's just going to dominate second units all year long. And I just think Brooklyn is going to be a great team in the regular season. I just think their offense is on a night-to-night basis. You know, too, much. Katie, too much. Katie has, yeah, Katie has something to prove. Kyrie has something to prove. I think regular season-wise, they're going to be great. You know, I had a tweet. I said KD with LeBron regular season, by the way. I, I wasn't trolling when I said that. I actually mean that because I just feel like in this regular season with the circumstances LeBron came off of, what's KD's coming off of, you know, the different mentalities that they have right now in the in the approach to this regular season, uh, I just think Brooklyn is more uh, locked in on making a statement, uh, you know, for Steve Nash, for KD, for Kyrie Irving. Like I think they're just locked, you know, making a statement, and I think they'll have a great regular season. 
Um, I think they're going to get humbled in the postseason. <laughs> the story, but I think they will have a great regular season. Right. I expect Brooklyn to have a great regular season. That was good, man. That was a good out of the box pick. I didn't even think about Karis. That's what. That's a that was solid. I like that. All right, moving on to most improved. Let's get this going. I think just. Looking at this game, to go off the stats from last year, and then mm-hmm. Michael Michael Porter Jr. averaged nine points a game last year. Right, he might double that this year. So I kind of right. off of default. So MPJ was my my number one. Uh, two, I went OG Ananobi just because they're going to need more creation in Toronto as as Kyle Lowry starts to age. Um, I just I've been a, you know I've been an OG fan for a couple years now watching play. I think he has a real legit two way superstar potential if he just keeps developing. And my third was Lonzo. Um, just watching the Pelican games in the preseason, they just don't have a lot of half-court creation outside of Ingram. So just mm-hmm. he starts the majority of the offense with when, when Ingram is out or just doesn't initiate that set. So I think Lonzo's going to have more opportunities to showcase what he can do. It's also it's his first healthy offseason in four years in the league, which I think is huge for him finally to try to develop. So those are my top three in that order, MPJ, OG, and then uh, Lonzo Ball, and who you got, brother? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that point about Lonzo is true. I mean, you, you see people talk about, wow, did Lonzo do a pull-up mid-range off the pick and roll? <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, that's what happened when he had, you know, he had this offseason to build his confidence up, so that probably correlates. But, yeah, I mean, that most improved player, we have the exact same three. Uh, not in the same order, but the exact same three players. I went number one, I went OG. Uh, OG at number one because uh, I looked, like I said, I looked at the numbers. A lot of people are saying stuff like, you know, Kelly Oubre and these other players. I'm just like, bro, like Oubre averaged 19 last Right, year. right. <laughs> yeah, like just the most improved player, like, as a by default, whoever was had, you know, low stats, even though we know they were good, like, if you have low stats and you get better, like, you're just going to automatically win it. Like, right, that's, what I'm that's why I thought MPJ was as tough to yeah, so, go over. I went OG. He had 10 points last year. I think he can easily average, you know, 18 to 20 this year with great defense. So I think he's my number one pick, and, and the Raptors will be a competitive playoff team. Uh, and I went MPJ, too, because, like you said, nine points last year. He'll probably double that easily and be in the 18 to 20 range. So he's – and then the Nuggets will be a good team, playoff team. So he's going to be – On top of that, yeah, on top of that. Yeah, year. so he's going to be in the in the MIP conversation easily. And they need him, too, because Grant's gone. So he'll have that factor. And I went Lonzo, too, because, you know, like Lonzo, he's, he's shown some new improved skill sets in the preseason. Um, like you said, they need him as their point guard. I know a lot of players – I know a lot of writers and people who <laughs> – don't really understand basketball concepts or saying he's a wing and try to pretend that Bledsoe is an actual point guard, even though he's been a combo guard his whole career. I, You know, sometimes I just don't get how what basketball these people are watching. But, you know, Lonzo, uh, Bledsoe was never going to be the point guard. Right? That's not what they got him for. So <laughs> Lonzo is the de facto point guard for the uh, Pelicans. I, I'm not sure they even have a backup one. So, um, you know that could actually run a real offense. So Lonzo's going to be leaned on a lot. So as long as he improved his scoring, honestly, the M- the MIP is there for him. He could easily average something like 12, 8, and 8, you know, you know or 14, 7, 7. Right, right, right. And, and you know what I'm saying? And he will definitely be in the conversation. So Lonzo's there in my top three as well. Right, right. That's the first one. We got the we got a full match there. All right. Moving on, defensive player of the year. For me, one, um, I went AD. I think people recognized last year was kind of a robbery, and I think he's going to come out motivated on, on that end. Um, mm. Two, I went Bam. Um, what I don't realize, people don't realize with Miami, he covers up a lot of bad wing defenders. Like, they play Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is not awful, like a team defender, but in space, one-on-one, you know, yeah. you get picked on a lot. And Harold, to me, Harold's not a good defender to me. He's <laughs> yeah, all the finals. And I think and they, they still they still put up excellent defensive numbers, and I think Bam is the foundation to that. So um, Bam was my second, and then third I went Giannis because I think the Bucks are going to be a regular season juggernaut again. I think Holiday only makes them better defensively, so Giannis was yes. better even there defensively. So I think he'll be he'll be uh, there too. It won't be surprising if Giannis jumped Bam just because of the media you know spotlight on uh, Giannis won all these awards the last couple of years. So it wouldn't surprise me, but AD. It's my number one. I think he's probably going to get his flowers defensively this season. Yeah, I mean, our first two are are exactly alike. I mean, I got AD one. Um, obviously, we know he has the rep that he's the best defensive player in the year. 
the most versatile defender. He's an elite rim protector. He's an elite wing defender at somehow, you know what I'm saying? So he can really almost do it all. Um, you know, point guards don't actually want to hunt AD on any switch. Right, uh, exactly, right. The most versatile like, guy. Yeah, even Jamal Murray wasn't trying to take AD off the dribble. So, you right. know, AD is really a tear on defense. And bam, like you said, he covers up a lot of mistakes. Miami's somehow always having a competitive defense despite not only playing Hero, not only playing Robinson, but also playing Drogic. Right, right. They play <laughs> so many guys who are questionable defenders, yet they have a good defense. For A, because Jimmy competes on that end, um, night in, night out. But B, because Bam is able to erase so many mistakes. He's able to uh, he's able to recover and uh, you know and help his guys that get beat off the off the bounce, as right. well as you know uh, you know doing that uh, you know contest and recover onto his own guy. And then he's also able to switch pick and roll. So if any guy you know who sees Dragic and thinks he's going to get an easy open run off a of pick and roll, Bam's just going to switch with that, and he's just going to stick on, on that guy. So Bam erases a lot of mistakes for Miami. And then third, I had uh, – let's see who I had third. I have it written down here. Okay, third, my guy is uh, – I think this team's going to impress a lot of people this year and finally do what they've been promised to do for <laughs> years. I think Ben Simmons is going to be number three. Ben Simmons um, is going to have a dominant year. I think he's finally going to show everybody why we're so high. He's going to really dominate defensively. He's going to have uh, you know, good numbers offensively. I think Ben's going to have a great year, and I think Philly is going to finally put together a true deep playoff run for the first time ever with Embiid and Ben Simmons. That is crazy. We we we. I'm I'm interested to see when we get to the team predictions because we we low key on the on the same way <laughs> right now. All right. Um, last but not least, um, we got MVP, and uh, I went with AD. I just think the way the Lakers are going to be, he's going to be the, like that preseason game right there against like the Suns. I just think he's locked in to you know to show that that bubble was not a was not a fluke. I think he's absolutely just this is. This is my league. Cause I'm, I'm going to be mm-hmm. the face of the Lakers when LeBron leaves. I think he's ready to make a statement. Two, piggybacking on what you just said, you're going to hate. People going to kind of turn their eyes up. But <laughs> Tim is my second MVP. MVP. <laughs> okay. So, dude, here's my justification. This mm-hmm. is literally the most spacing that Philly has ever had around him. Ever had. Yeah. Yep. You know, Doc – is going to dock as a good regular season coach. He's going to mm-hmm. can put them in the best best position to be successful. He's already talking about running a lot of just Embiid, Simmons pick and roll, and just getting Simmons mm-hmm. coming downhill. The way he's talking about using Simmons, um, I, I'm very high on Ben Simmons in third. Um, I'm going Curry on the limb because I think he's mm-hmm. going to uplift the Warriors to the upper half of the conference. I think for that to happen, he has to be special, like you said last episode. If he's Curry then, you know, they they have to do that. So I think for him, them to get where I think they will, he will have to be special uh, and give me your MVP. And this is not to say LeBron's going to – LeBron's not going to be in a conversation, but I just think he's optimizing the long run this year. Right. But when the time comes, he will still be the guy the Lakers lean on when it's time to get busy in the playoffs. I'm talking about the season there he is, so – I agree. I mean, LeBron's not in my top three, and, and for that reason that you just said, I watched the preseason game, and I said, that's exactly what I expected to watch. Chilling. I mean, that's exactly what I expected to watch. I'm, like, I'm not anticipating LeBron to do much of anything outside of getting his regular numbers that he normally right. gets right. for his for, for the stats. So, I mean, I don't think LeBron's going to try and make any statement in the regular season. He's going to do chill, come out the gate chill and then ramp it up as towards the playoff time. But in terms of my MVP, like you said, I think Anthony Davis is trying to make a statement this year. That's my MVP. I think he's ready to show that this is his time. He's in his prime, and he's ready to dominate. Now that he got his ring, he's ready to show everybody that you know. And I'm a I'm a true champion. You know, right. I'm not I'm not just I didn't just come play with LeBron to win. I'm an all time great, and I think he's ready to to really show that this year and start collecting awards that. Uh, that people, let's be honest, we've been picking AD to be at some point the best player in the year since he came, best player in the league since he came in this league. I mean, very true, the, very true, very true. He's very one true. of the most popular picks from back in 2014, 
a lot of guys say AD at some point would be the best player in the year uh, in the league, and I think he's ready to to claim that mantle. So I got AD for my MVP number two. Like I said, I'm high on these guys, so I got a bunch of their guys on my awards. KD, KD, my okay. my, my okay. MVP runner up. Like I said, I just think Brooklyn's ready to make a statement in the regular season. I think they're going to score a bunch of points. I think their play style is great for the regular season. They got MDA, they got Nash, and I, I just think they that that play style that they have is great for regular season ball. And I think they're going to get a lot of they're going to put up nice numbers. They're going to get a lot of wins. And I just think KD is going to be the focal point of that. So I just think he's going to be my MVP runner up. And then number three, because he got a lot, a lot of media love, he is going to put up a lot of numbers. And he'll win. A, he'll win. He'll make. He'll make the Dallas a competitive team. I got Luca number three. Yeah, um, it was crazy. It was. It was actually something that you said that had me knock Luca off. I remember you went. To, you were going through the history of the MVP award and was like, "Yep." When Russ got it at that low of a seed, that was an outlier. Very he outlier. To a, to a guy in the top half of the conference, ninety-nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's going to be tough for Luca to overcome. But I think he will have the. Um, the numbers. I think it's also why Dame. Dame. I couldn't put Dame in my top three because right. I don't think Blazers are going to be that type of team. It's like they have a lot of issues. I was talking to a guy who covers a team in DMs. Or at least like they just have a lot of defensive issues and just mm-hmm. figuring out. You know, they got Terry Stotts optimizing. You know, the offensive players over defensive players as far as you know playing Cantor ahead of Giles, which makes no sense given what they have on the court already. They got. They need some guys. Right. You're right. So. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it seems like it seems like uh, Stas has prioritized offense his whole tenure there. I mean, right, right. Um, he's just the the guys he choose to play is always prioritizing scoring for whatever reason the, over in the fit because with Dame and covering Dame and CJ's weaknesses, right, defensively. Right. So, but yeah, you know, I, I got um, so yeah, I got Luca third. You know, he, he's not, like I told people, uh, Russ when he won that MVP, he had multiple things go for him. One, he did something we never thought we'd see again, which was average or typical, but like literally people had never, people literally said that would never happen again. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, I, I said Russ would average or triple double like in 2014, I think when he, or 2015, when he had like 25, 10 and eight, I said Russell Westbrook will average triple double at some point. <laughs> so like, and he did two years later. So it's like, so he did something we had never seen in decades, and also he had the KD left sympathy, yep, That's sympathy, that, yeah. and then the fact that he ha- he went crazy that year. I mean, he led the league in scoring. He had the most clutch buckets that year. Like he just had er- so many things go right to craft that narrative of why he was the most valuable. Because if you look at who's the most valuable player, you could argue yes to their team. Russell Westbrook is probably more right. valuable than any player else that year. So he had the right narratives and the right numbers for him to get that. I just don't think we'll see that ever again, or at least for a long time, because that's just not something you see outside of Russ, outside of Jordan in 88. That's just I think, not I think Luca. I think Luca will get close. Yeah, he'll get close. He'll I think get close. he'll get close. That's why I gave him third. I think he'll get close. I think he'll, I think he'll get close. I think he'll, he'll have great offensive numbers. Their team will be great offensively. They'll make the playoffs, but it just won't be enough compared to the guys ahead of him who will also have great numbers. 80s, Advanced numbers honestly should be insane this year, right? And they're gonna win as well. So it's just it's, he's not gonna have enough to overtake those guys. All right, yeah, man, that's that's uh, we both here on AD, and I can definitely see what you're saying with the with the other two guys. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm with you there. All right, we got the individual awards out the way. We're starting this Western Conference. I'm gonna give you my ten. You're mm-hmm. gonna give me your ten, and then we're gonna talk about it. So. My first seed, obviously, was the Lakers. I just think they're far and away. Maybe not far and away. Clearly, I'll say clearly the best team. Yes. Clearly the best team is the number one seed. Uh, there's a drop-off here for me between them and the rest of the conference. But after them, I gave it to the Clippers at number two. I'm going to see count that Kawhi issue last year as a blip. Um, yeah. His history has shown that he's come through more times and not when it matters. So I'm going to count that as a one-year blip. I think he'll – you know, he's a competitive guy despite all the, you know, the, the quiet. I think he'll be locked in when it's time to go. Um, I stay with the Nuggets at three. Not a thin three through seven to me is going to be separated by two to three games max. So, yes, I'm just putting that out there. Three through yeah. seven to me, two, like two to three games max. So That's how I got it, too. It's going to be very close. Yeah, I got the Nuggets three. I went uh, Warriors four, Jazz five, Suns six, 
uh, Mavs 7, Blazers 8, Rockets 9, and then Pelicans 10 squeezing into the, the play-in tournament. And just my explanation, um, it wouldn't be surprising if the Jazz ended up in that top four just because their continuity. They have less to, to, to implement than a lot of teams. So it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up four or even three at the end of the day. Because like I said, three through seven for me, it's going to be two, two and a half, three games in the most separating those teams, much like last season. So uh, where are you with the with, with your with your team? Yeah, I mean, like you said, that two through seven, that uh, you can go two through um, through eight is going to be really close. So um, I think if there's any separation of two through eight, it'll be at two. Um, so I'm going to go one. I think Lakers are definitely heads and shoulders above the rest of the pack. I think if there is any separation, it will be in two from uh, the Clippers because they do, at the end of the day, have a lot of talent. Um, I think, you know, with Ty Lue, now he says he's coming out to utilize Kawhi from the triangle like Jordan. I, I, I know the headlines say, oh, he's trying to use him like Jordan, but really, and you made the point, you said that's great because they don't have a real point guard. And that's, that's, really, that's really why he's trying to run triangle sets because <laughs> he recognizes that they don't have that true facilitating point guard. So he's going to try and ease that load, you know, off of uh, Kawhi and off of Bev and all of them from trying to play mate. Number three, I got the Nuggets because I think, like you said, continuity. And they just have a lot of good offensive firepower. They'll be a good regular season team. Number four, and this is why Monty is going to have his case, is going to be the Suns. I think all the right, Suns here we go. It's getting spicy. That's, that's the big one. That's the big one. I think the Suns are going to really, really surprise people this year. Um, Book is going to have a great year. Ains going to have a big year. You know, Javon Carter looks looks great. CP3 will have a good year. You know, Bridges is going to look good. There's just going to be a lot of you know great play from from the from the Suns. So they're at four and that at five because I really want this series to happen. I predicted it will happen, and I believe we will get it. In the first round, the Mavericks. Okay. I think we're going to okay, get okay. the Mavericks at five because I think you know, Luka's going to be a great offensive engine. They're going to win a lot of regular season games. And I think we're going to be set up for a great first round Suns versus Mavericks series. That could be special. That's, that could be special. That's going to be great. You know, you have the Aiden Luka narrative. You have the great offensive genius, Chris Paul with Luka. You also have the firepower from the outside, Devin Booker scoring, Mavericks three-point shooting. It's just going to be – that's an ideal first-round series. That's like a throwback Western Conference first-round series from the 1,000. I think we all would want that. And I, I think we're – you know, there, it's right for that to happen. Number six, I got the Warriors because I would put them higher, but based off how Kerr runs his offense, <laughs> I think it will be lower because Draymond is missing games. And that's going to hurt because he is somebody who would ease a lot of these problems. He's the, the foot, is, got foot foot strain, right, or something yeah. the foot, on his foot, yeah. So he's he would he would ease a lot of these problems that they have. But since he's not there, I just think, you know, I think Curry will be great. But I just think everyone else is going to need time to really make this work. That makes sense. And I think, I think there will be, you know, 500 to start the year, but I think they'll really pick up middle towards the end and really look good. So I, I expect the Warriors to get better as the year goes on. Uh, number seven, and I have them number seven because I, even though they have the continuity, I just think that they have too much film on them already. The Jazz, I it's think not, the Jazz, it's, it's not not new coming. <laughs> yeah, I just think the Jazz is too predictable in in what they do. So I, I just don't think they're going to surprise teams. I mean, Gobert's not going to get any better. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like I like D Mitch. You know, but how much of the bubble stuff was, you know, the bubble? You know, like you can say, well, Murray may not be that as good, but, you know, they don't they don't need Murray for regular season. They rely on Joe Kitch, who's always been good in the regular season. They still have Harris. They're going to get Barton. And if we have an MPJ improvement, you don't need Murray to get 23. Like, they can have 18 from Murray, 18 from uh, MPJ, 15 from Barton, 12 from Harris, and 20 from Joe Kitch and still be fine. You know what I mean? So they're not they're not worried at all. Right. But I don't think Mitchell's gonna do what he was doing in the bubble, and if that's the case, 
Jazz won't be as good. But I will give Jazz a seven seed, and I say they'll be a competitive seven seed in that they'll be close to the other teams because of this factor. I think Bohan is a very, very, very good player, especially for them. 20 points per game guy. He did not play in the playoffs. They mm. probably beat the Nuggets if he plays because he's a plus defender and he scores 20 points. Uh, I think Bohan will make them competitive and be why they're going to be in that mix for, you know, they could easily be the four seed, you know what I mean? But, you know, I just think they'll finish like this because I just think the other teams have a little bit more of a surprise factor. You know, the Warriors are going to be completely different. They're athletic now. You know, teams aren't going to really see, understand how they're playing because Kerr hasn't ran his system where it's a bunch of athletes as opposed to shooters. Right, 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 absolutely. So it's going it's to be – once the Warriors start getting together, it's going to be hard for teams to adjust because they're not going to be used – to the style of play that the Warriors may have with Wiseman, Oubre, and Wiggins catching lobs from Draymond. So right. <laughs> Cats teams off guard, so that's why I think they're going to have that surprise factor that the Jazz just don't. Eight, I got the Blazers because I think Dame will find a way to get to the playoffs, but I, I just don't like them defensively. Yep. I'm sorry. Like, if your best defender is Covington, man, he, Dennis Schroeder and – Chris Paul were taking turns on Covington, man, in the playoffs. So he's he's not he's, he's a guy like he's he's switchable up, but not switchable down. So like you want to go, you want him guarding threes and fours. You don't want him guarding twos and ones. So that's 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 his weird yeah, about Roko. Yeah, he's not good guarding no ones and twos. And um, if you can't hide Dane and CJ, then it's not it's not much value you're gonna bring to them defensively. So I think their defense is gonna struggle again. And I, but I think Dame's offensive play will have them uh, where they need to be. And uh, and then going on to the uh, nine, Houston. Um, the reason why Houston's not in there, like I said, Harden wants out. Don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know how much he's wanted, he wants to give to this season. I don't know how much he wants to put on his body during this year. Um, even though I like the cast around him better than last year, Man, if Harden is not, not bought in, it just won't matter. So, <laughs> and we just don't know. We, I mean, we just don't know. And, and just to, there were a couple like not not major major news breakers, but a couple like lower level just NBA Twitter source guys saying that the uh, you know the Raptors had entered the talks. Yeah, just pull it out. So just like stuff like that. So obviously, anything we say tonight is subject to change and revise and revise revising in a future episode. Absolutely. But this is just as of right now, so yeah. Yeah, right now, you know, he said nine and for me ten, I'm have I know you were a homer for the Pelicans. <laughs> I'm a homer for the Timberwolves. And hey, we ain't mad here. Hey, as long as we as long as we admit it, bro. As long as we admit it, bro, we Gucci. I put the, I put the homer for the Timberwolves. We shouldn't be there, but no, I I don't care. I'll I'll convince myself to say Towns will be is a unicorn. He is a unicorn offensively, so I'll convince myself to say that plus Plus Rubio and plus D'Lo possibly giving up the ball more will make us more competitive than what I've seen in the preseason. Man, and Beasley's looked great. Pre-season. Beasley has looked he good. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's a weirdo off the court. <laughs> but I mean, on the court, I, I tweeted, I said, on the court, he's a dog, man. So I got no complaints with him on the court. Just stop doing it. You know, stop having that weird stuff in the headlines. But, <laughs> but you, he's a good player that I can't be mad. And he right. wants to play defense, so that's what I love about him. He wants to play defense, so it's All good. Right. So switching out east now, just I, this was I can't think of a conference where you got six teams where you could legitimately make a case like for this team to win, to win like to win this conference. This was crazy. Yep. Trying to figure out who I was like. There's six teams with the I can make a like a a case and it could be legit. Like they could go to the finals. So I did the best I could. Um, one, I just think Milwaukee's a regular season. They're built for the regular regular season juggernaut. So I gave them one. Two, um, I went Philly. Three, Brooklyn. Four, Boston. Five, Miami. And I have Miami winning the first round series for the record. <laughs> Four, five. Um, I went Toronto six just because, you know, I love Nurse. I love their secondary guys. There's just no go-to guy which to me drops them down a peg from the first five teams. Those other teams have a guy where you can lean on, okay, he can give me a bucket. Um, seven, I went Washington. I think Westbrook and Bill get you to the playoffs at least seven, so I'll put Washington at seven. Eight, I went Indiana. Eight, I went Indiana. 
nine. The counting on Trey to do something defensively. I went <laughs> with nine. I went at Atlanta, and then uh, ten. I went Charlotte. It got tough after that. To, to that after nine, eight, nine and ten, it's like picking out of a hat. But I just <laughs> right. with, with certain pieces that I like. Okay, they might squeeze together twenty five, thirty wins. Right, nine, ten spots. So that was that was my. That's my ten. I'm interested to hear your one through six, man, because this, this this Eastern Conference is hard to hard to predict. Yeah, it was. Um, I went based off, you know, previous regular season approaches, and uh, I went and I went off what whose style translates to the regular season. So number one, the team I've been raving about that will be great in the regular season, the Nets. Mm-hmm. I think the Nets offense is just going to be too much for East teams in the regular season. Um, number two, like you said, they're the juggernaut, the Bucks. They're just a juggernaut uh, regular season. I think they'll slip a little bit because I think they'll get have to adjust to having to play Giannis at the five more. Their uh, GM basically gave Bud one center to force him to play Giannis at the five. <laughs> like, they basically said, look, we know you're not going to do this on your own, so we're going to make you do it. And they gave him one center in Brolin and said, you have to play Giannis at the five. So they, I think the, the front office did a smart job in helping him out. And I think they're going to just have to get adjusted to playing like that. And I think they'll have they'll drop some games because of that against good teams because they're trying to figure it out. But I think it will help them in the actual playoff run. And, and you'll see that later with my my if, when we talk about playoff picks. And then uh, number uh, three, I got Boston Celtics. They're always going to be competitive in the regular season. They have the continuity. They have uh, Coach Stevens. They'll be a top seed. Number four. I have the Heat in that same range as last year. Grow coach. They'll be competitive. Mm. And number five, I got Philly. I got Philly at five, but I have Philly beating the Heat in the first round. Ooh. And I have Philly then beating the Nets in the second round. Ooh. That's where I'm at right now. I, that's how I think Philly will make their run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got um, no, I got Boston three. I picked oh, them. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Who's who's your six now? Then Toronto, Toronto. Yeah, this, this, yeah the six is Toronto. Oh, my bad, my bad, I got my bad. six as Toronto. Yeah, I got Raptors, Toronto, Toronto. Uh, so basically, it's gonna be you know Bucks, Celtics. Bucks are gonna beat the Celtics in the second round. And then seven, I got the Wizards. I think the Wizards, like you said, are bona fide playoff team. They have great offense. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to be competitive. I, I love I love their supplementary pieces too. Like the guys yes. that compliment that compliment the stars. Like I love Rui on draft. And I think Rui has a lot of potential. Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant's a prototypical, you know, five protect the rim, stretch the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Bertans and Bertans. Like they got a lot of good pieces, man. So depend, depending yeah. on what, it just the, the East is just so deep. That's why they seven to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're a fun team. They're it's a deep conference, and the fact that they can compete in a deep conference. I mean, that, that rush trade really it was a it was a weird trade because it's guys most teams didn't want, but right. yet both teams needed a guy, those type of guys on their team. So I agree. Uh, I agree. I agree. So it, it it was one of those trades that it, it just it worked out for the teams even in a bad situation. They basically made the best out of a bad situation. So the Wizards seven eight. I got Atlanta. Um, I think this is the year that they pushed this offseason to be a playoff team, and I think Atlanta finally gets that eight seed. Um, nine, I have the Pacers because I just think it's too much turmoil from wanting to trade Miles from <laughs> Depot, firing McMillan. I just think it's just too much turmoil that they got going on, and they're not talented enough to overcome that. And 10, I, like you said, it's pick of a hat, but I went ahead with a team I kind of like that I think is kind of fun. It's kind of interesting to watch. I went with the Bulls, you know, mm. Levine, you know, with um, Laurie, Wendell, you know, I just think they got some nice, some nice pieces there to be a nice little fun playing team. So I went, I went with the Bulls. I was leaning, uh, actually I was leaning, um, instead of Charlotte, I was going to go Orlando, then I forgot Isaac is out for the season. Yeah, Isaac's or, out. Or, or Orlando, uh, Vooch looks incredible in his preseason, but you know, I'm, Charlotte doesn't have much inside, so he had his way. But I'm just a boo boo's looks great and then I love how Cole Anthony looks like he's gonna be a player at, at some point. You know, they got a couple guards in front of him, but he's like he's gonna be all right. So Orlando I think Orlando will be on the outskirts of that fight for that too. But I agree, Chicago's definitely gonna be better with Donovan and uh Donovan coaching Levine and 
Kobe looks better this season. So yeah. they got Wendell. They got some couple nice pieces. Just in general, man, just as we were talking about these teams, I was thinking the league is in great hands in the future, man. As this wave of players, there's so much young talent that could potentially be special. That's going to just when this next wave of kind of like our generation goes away, the league is in great hands. Just thinking about just going this season in general, man. A lot of young teams, a lot of great young cores of potential to do something in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of, like you said, young talent. With the Tatum emergence is great. Then you have Luca. You have Trey, who's a great young player. Um, you know, just, and then Bam. You know, Giannis is still barely turning twenty six. Like, right. <laughs> what I'm saying so. It's like it's a lot of a lot of good players who are young and elite already. So yeah, the league is good, man. The league is good once you know Curry, KD, and Braun is done. You know, AD and them are going to lead the way in. So, and, and and I like that they're spread out. You know, right? Exactly. They're exactly. Spread exactly. Out. They're spread out right now, so that's good for the league. All right, moving on. Finals prediction. You know what, man? I, my 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 Ben Simmons. I'm holding on, man. I'm going <laughs> L.A. Lakers and Sixers, a rematch of 2001 with the Lakers coming on top again in six. I got Lakers in six over the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA Finals. Are we getting are we getting clutch first thirty five ventures though on your on your end? Are we getting clutch first thirty five thirty five no, v? No clutch versus thirty five v for me. Like I said, thirty five oh. v is getting sent home in the second round by Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons and them are sending them in the second round because they just can't match up with Embiid in the inside. That's what and I was thinking. That's just, what my thought was. That's what Philly has a lot of defenders for thirty five v in a series, but thirty five v won't have defenders for Embiid in a series. So that's what will come down to me. And uh, but I don't have Philly in the finals. I think this is the year that Giannis finally gets to the finals. I'll okay. finally okay. put Giannis in the finals because of Drew Holiday, because they'll play him at the five more because they have no choice. <laughs> I think they will finally get the finals. I don't think it'll be easy though. I think the series between them and Philly, I think that'll go seven. I think mm. Philly can easily beat them in, in that series. But I will take the Bucks squeaking by Philly. And I'll take the Lakers over the Bucks in a comfortable six. Comfortable six. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm uh, I'm excited, man. This NBA season. Um, I was kind of torn because it's a short off season, so you worry about guys' health, right? You know, and as a fan, you're excited that you know your favorite sport is back, right? <laughs> back quick. So here's to just a a healthy season, mm-hmm. like keeping guys up. I know they got the best trainers in the world. Those guys will know when to you know when to low manage guys when to when to dial up or dial down practice and just hoping that those guys are, you know, taking care of themselves the the, the right way. And I just on a person, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited that, that KD and Steph is back, man. It just, it wasn't the same last year without being, right. just keep it hundred, man. It just, it, it wasn't. Um, anything you want to add, bro, before we get about here? No, man. Like I said, having guys healthy, I'm happy. These guys are bouncing back. Like, like you said, man, I'm glad KD looks great. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm picking him to look really good this regular season. Uh, their failures in the playoffs is not going to be because of him. I, I just I just not in love with the roster construction, construction yeah, in terms yeah, of playoff yeah, defense. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with Katie's performance in the playoffs offensively or Kyrie's performance. I think they'll have big playoff games, but I just think overall they won't get enough stops. Mm-hmm. That's just what it comes down to. So, but I'm I'm just glad that they're back. We got they're playing. I got that we got all the heavy hitters back. You know. Sucks that we didn't have the second half of Shooter Gang back for this run. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully he, he heals up. You know, me and him both on rehab soon. So, <laughs> hopefully he heals you and up. Clay, man. You and Clay. Clay and Kings, man, they're coming back strong <laughs> next season. Yeah, we caught, we caught a bad break, but we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. Bet, bet. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for tapping in. Hit that follow, subscribe button. Follow Kings on Twitter at It's Kings, bro. Follow myself, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Hit that follow subscribe button again on this we on Spotify or on iTunes. I am going to set up the Google podcast link so we can get everybody. I was asking about that last week. So just tap in with us. We will be back next week recapping the first week of NBA basketball and we can't wait yes, to get sir. back to you. And y'all be cool. Have a Merry Christmas. We are out of here. Yes sir.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.